0: mommy's podcast it's called a slice, a slice of paradise, paradise. I, i'm so glad you're here i hope, hope you, you enjoy, enjoy it, it. Or, or. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: okay welcome to season two episode episode seven um my guest today is clayton halliburton Clayton works with me. We're friends, and um, I guess your story—I heard first about your story because of your brother. I don't think he worked here at the time. Is that right?
0: No, he was—he's been here for about seven years. Yeah. I, yeah. So
1: I remember it happening through Corey, but then you came on, and um, I'm so glad you're coming on to share the story today. But before we get started on the story, we have to talk about this chocolate goodness that we've just eaten. Um. Clayton said he wanted plain Jane chocolate cake. And I was a little bit like, gosh, that's kind of boring. But of course Mitchell is going to knock it out of the park. And it is so rich.
0: Mitchell, you knocked it out of the park. And if I could go back, I would have you make my wedding cake.
1: Ooh, that's a good compliment. Yeah, we had to eat half of it and say this has to be saved for later. Because it is so rich, but so good. If you love chocolate, you would love this cake. Okay, so your dad's name is... Steve. Steve Halliburton.
0: Steve Halliburton. And
1: before we get all the questions, you're not from the Halliburton family, correct?
0: It is way down the family tree. Okay. But I'm still waiting on that check to come in the mail. Yeah, surely
1: there's one coming. Surely. Maybe it's like two brothers just split off or something. I
0: think it's something. My understanding is one was like a one went oil field and then one went agriculture. You can guess which one I came from.
1: (laughs) Well, hey, that's okay. What money we don't have, we have joy. That's right. Um, So on March 20th, 2017, your dad suffered a...
0: Cardiac arrest.
1: Cardiac arrest, okay. Correct. And so tell me what that day looked like for you.
0: Oh, goodness. So to give a better picture, I'll just start with the day before. Okay. Uh, Just a little background. So my dad had AFib, which is basically the electrical signals in his heart, just an irregular heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Uh, that kind of caused some more complications. So he was going to be going in for an ablation or they would basically, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but sure. I think they'll, like, carterize to try to get the ar- electrical signals corrected okay. in the heart. So it pumps regularly. Um, so this was a post-op procedure. He'd already had, like, two procedures before this, but the issues just kept coming back. So, yeah, so the night before... He was in the hospital and they wanted to do basically an electrical shock to kind of correct the heartbeat to give him some relief Um, so he spent the night in the hospital and just had an overnight it was supposed to be just a simple procedure Uh, 8 a.m. that next day um, his primary doctor walks in to check on him and he's alert and he's he was actually texting my mom and uh, he said, hey, you know, we're going to go ahead and get you out of here. You're, you're okay now, so let's let's get you out of here and um, get you released. And my dad was like, yeah, I'm great. Said, can you get you anything? Can I get an orange juice? And that was the last thing he said, and then he coded. Um, just came out of nowhere. Wow. So coded directly in front of his primary doctor. Um, what followed that was 25 minutes of the doctors and and their team trying to bring him back
1: revive him
0: so a lot of people get mixed up it wasn't a heart attack he had a full-on cardiac arrest and he was dead for about 15 minutes during that time they had to i don't know how they do it but they basically you know shove that tube down your throat so they can try to pump air Um, and then of course bring out the paddles to Mm -hmm. shock you and, uh, it took a total of 25 minutes to get a heartbeat back, uh, normally wow. or to get them stable.
1: Sure.
0: So, um, so yeah, so that morning of the event I was living, uh, I was at, I had, I was working for a church. Um, I had just graduated, uh, college at Texas A&M. And so that morning about 8 AM, I got a phone call from my mom and I, you know those phone calls. Yeah. And it's the absolute worst feeling. Mm-hmm. You, you just know at the moment you pick up something's not right. And and all I heard her saying was, Clay, you need to head to the hospital. Your dad's not going to make it. And I literally just jumped out of bed, you know, threw on a pair of shorts and a T-shirt and ran to my, my truck mm-hmm. and just floored it. Uh, and he was in College Station um, at the time. So that's what that morning how that morning started and then that's when all the events unfolded from there
1: does he remember anything about those 25 minutes
0: um no absolutely not um and I have some he did experience something though okay and I'll fill you in on that later okay um but no he really has no recollection now of of that time I think he he can't really remember probably about maybe two weeks prior to that incident. He just has no recollection of it, Um, which, you know, when a cardiac arrest occurs and there's no heartbeat, then there's no oxygen going to the brain. sure. So the brain cells immediately start dying.
1: 25 minutes is a long time. Yeah. Okay. So what happened once you got to the hospital? Where was your dad at that point? What had to happen in the next 24 hours after that?
0: So immediately after that, I got to the hospital and my mom pretty much, my brother got her. They were you know, about an hour away. And she was like, you do not go up there. You wait on us. Mm-hmm. And that was really tough. Um, but I did wait on them in, in, the, in the lobby. Um, my girlfriend, who is now my wife at the time, actually, I, I called her on the drive over there. Let her know, hey, this is what's going on. I'm fairly hysterical yeah. at the time. Um, just because I'm fully expecting that my dad's dead, yeah. and uh, so she ended up actually walking through the door about 25 minutes after I'd gotten there unannounced, mm-hmm. just to be there with me. So what followed was they eventually were able to get my dad stable, um, but then he was <clears throat> he was in a coma. So they just told us he's and he's he's not he, you know, he's stable, but he's not responsive. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to play this out. And what they did was they didn't have the tools or the experience to really deal with how severe he was. So they had a life flight him uh, to Austin where there was a heart experts mm-hmm. in Austin at a hospital there. So they life flighted him that evening. Um, of course, immediately, family and friends, church, you know, everyone just starts showing up. And so... We're just waiting in the, you know, lobby area, and everyone's praying, and, um, you know, it was an overwhelming amount of support, uh, for sure. Sure.
1: But so much unknown, you didn't know it was touch and go.
0: It was touch and go. Um, you know, we would, the doctors would occasionally bring us in as a family, just my brother, my mom, and I, um, and, of course, my brother's wife, and, and then my girlfriend at the time. She kind of got thrown into the mix sure. very, very quickly. Um they would bring us in, they'd be like, hey, you know, we need to start making some decisions right now on how we're going to go forward with this. Mm-hmm. So it was touch and go for, for for a while.
1: And so what happened? When did he make a, a shift? When did you feel like it wasn't touch and go anymore?
0: Um, they were able to get him stable enough to transport him. So he got to Austin and remained stable. Um the what happened after that was he was in a coma for eight weeks Um, so during that eight weeks doctors were not optimistic it was mostly hey we need to prepare for him to either not wake up or we don't know what his brain looks like because of the lack of oxygen from the from the arrest so it was just we weren't really receiving lots of good news there was one doctor in particular who was at least optimistic, saying, you know, it's in God's hands now. Mm-hmm. We don't know what this is going to look like. Um, but, yeah, eight weeks in a coma. Six weeks completely in a coma, followed by two weeks where he would slowly respond to certain stimulus um, up until the point where he was finally starting to be more somewhat aware uh-huh. and could talk just very slightly. Did
1: it become aggressive at that point where he wasn't sure... You know, where he was and wanted to get out and that kind of thing?
0: No. Um, you know, my mom, you know, during that time, I, my, my brother and I, we both had to work and, and we knew my dad. He would say, uh uh-uh, uh, you, you go work, right. you keep doing your things. So any chance though, you know, weekdays, weekends, we were, we were in the hospital. But my mom and my, uh, I call her my, she's my grandmother, but I call her my Nana. Uh, it's my mom's mom. Okay. They, they stayed with him through that entire ordeal. And was your dad
1: working at the time? Um, yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: He was working at the time. And, um, yeah, so for him to, <laughs> you know, just go into that state of unresponsiveness yeah. for that long, uh, it was very traumatic, just the not knowing, um, uh, that was probably the hardest part for sure.
1: What do you think got your family through that eight weeks?
0: Oh, easily just our faith in, in Jesus Christ, um. You know, it was pretty much nonstop prayer, um, reliance in Scripture, just getting ourselves in the Bible. You know, of course, of course, we were distraught. You can't not be. Right. But, you know, just having that, what I would consider a, a Christian worldview. Yeah. Of knowing that, you know what, it's out of our hands. We can't control it, but we do know who is in control.
1: There's a plan here. There
0: is a plan. We have no idea what it is. And we may not like what the plan is, but, you know, it's not up to us to, to make the calls on that.
1: Yeah. Do you think that your faith changed most during that eight weeks, or was it what happened afterwards where you were able to see the transformations that happened in your dad?
0: Yeah, from a, from a uh, you know, self-reflecting, I, you know, to be completely honest, I had a very, I had a very, you know, struggle-free upbringing. Uh-huh. I had great Parents, great home life, uh, you know, Christian family. So I didn't really know what struggle was. It was this event that really taught me what it meant to struggle. Right. Um, and I relied on on, on a scripture, and uh, it's a James uh, chapter one verse two through four. Uh, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing." And, yeah, during that time, and again, it was a progression after, um, you know, we were going through this trial and I just had to rely on my faith that entire time and continue in prayer and, and just trust that, okay, God, you know, what is your plan? Because mm-hmm. at the entire, you know, whenever we really conclude our existence on this earth, it's to bring glory to God in everything that we do. That's what we're here for. Every day. So it was questioning, all right, God, how, how is this going to bring you glory? How do we bring glory to you through this? Mm-hmm. Um, which is one of the reasons that I'm, I'm here talking to you about it.
1: Right. And that's one of my favorite verses. And in some versions, it, instead of steadfastness, it says perseverance. Mm-hmm. How do you think that you had to drill in and persevere through that time?
0: Oh goodness! Um, you know, the biggest thing for us was the support that we had from our church family. Um, again, I, I said that my 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 wife, who I was dating at the time, that was a a, a godsend. Mm-hmm. I I would have been alone. I, I, I was I was pretty much set before I met her. Like, all right, you know, I'm gonna be like Paul, <laughs> life of singleness. Here I come. <laughs> Um, so she was a huge godsend for me, uh, especially to be a comfort during that time. Yeah. And it brought us together, you know, like, like nothing else ever could
1: have. Right. What did recovery look like after that eight weeks for your dad?
0: Yeah, so recovery, that was tough. That was probably the hardest thing, um, one of the hardest things to, to witness. Um, you know, during the end of those eight weeks, whenever he was finally starting to become slightly alert, Um, We did at least learn that he had retained his memory. He knew who we all were. They eventually did do scans and and there was only uh, minor damage to his brain, which was a miracle. Such a miracle. Absolute miracle. Um, And what that damage really did though was it it affected his motor skills. So um, the recovery portion was six weeks in rehab doing occupational therapy, speech therapy, physical therapy Mm -hmm. Um, really what my dad had to do was relearn everything because of the motor skills and everything just kind of got screwed up you know he dramatically lost so much weight um, just from being in a bed and you know it's incredible how fast your body deteriorates when it's not being used right Um, there was a lot of damage to his throat from whenever they had to, uh, you know, put that tube down his throat to get mm-hmm. to get air, so he had a lot of struggles even to be able to, to talk. He he felt like he was trapped inside his own body, really, because right. mentally he was fairly alert. Um, between all the all the medications that he was on and then the actual therapy itself, it was rough. He had to relearn how to move his fingers. It was it's almost like almost like a baby in terms of how they have to sure. learn how to do things he had to start over yeah he had to learn how to talk how to swallow he uh, I, re- I remember that day vividly whenever he was in the therapy in the uh, therapy and they had him on puree because he couldn't he couldn't swallow right. you know, originally it was all just being fed via tube Then they're like okay we're gonna slowly work on actual introducing some actual food through his through his mouth and he was on a puree and then eventually it got to the point where, okay, it's time for us to start testing whether he can have some actual, you know, mm-hmm. physical food mm-hmm. and, you know, watching that entire, they had a monitor, it was, he was, you know, he was, x-rayed and we watched the entire thing as the food, you know, went down his throat and, and I was, I was the only one there for that. Oh, that's and, awesome. And he passed that test and, uh, I remember him just crying after <laughs> because he was like, I passed, you yeah. know, this is, this is progress.
1: Um, How long did it take him to be able to talk after that?
0: So, he, you know, whenever he was still in the hospital, they there was a hole in his throat. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly what for. So we always joked at them that he sounded like Darth Vader <laughs> when he would talk, and he found that pretty funny. Um, <clears throat> he was he was able to, to to talk whenever he was in therapy itself, but it was so grass, you know, real raspy right. and. Um, it was just such a struggle for him to talk, and, and it was it was awful because he'd ask you questions, you go, "What? Yeah. <laughs> What'd you say?" Now I'm gonna have to make
1: him say it again. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. felt so,
0: I felt so bad, but um, yeah, it was it, the, the the recovery process was just insane. Yeah. Having to witness him going through all of it and just seeing how weak his body had become.
1: Uh-huh. What tolls do you think that that took on your family?
0: Oh my goodness. Um, My dad, he was, you know, he was, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and my dad worked. He had a great job, and he was what we called the rock, the foundation of our family. He did everything, so there wasn't anything that he couldn't do, really. Um, He was just very self-motivated, and my mom truly relied on him uh, for for everything, Mm -hmm. and having that Foundation that rock taken from you. And then out of nowhere, you all have to step up and become that foundation as a team. Yeah, That was where really things shifted. My mom, you know, she's not the same woman that she was, you know, years ago before this happened. Now she's the rock. Yeah. <laughs> the, you know, the, she can do the, a whole lot more than she oh ever expected. Oh my gosh. She, she was a trooper. Um, you know, when I always said that my mom witnessing what she went through and being there for my dad was the ultimate demonstration of their love for each other. Right. She never left. She spent 56 days in a house in a uh, hotel room in Austin, but she was in the hospital with him until, you know, it was time to go to sleep. Then she'd go to the ho- hotel, then to go back to the hospital the next morning and spend the entire day with him. Didn't leave his side. That's like um, the true
1: meaning of in sickness and in health.
0: Yes, and she was she exemplified that in everything that she did. Um, so everyone had to had to really step up their game. Right. Um, my wife jokes that whenever she was dating me, I was just a kid. And then after going through all this, she's like, well, you're, you are know, you became a man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sometimes life forces that a little bit sooner than we're ready to. Run. Yeah.
0: Oh, it does. It does.
1: So we talked about the tolls it took on your family, but what joys do you think it brought your family in the process?
0: Oh, my goodness. Um, that was the biggest thing was finding the joys. The way we found joy was seeing how God provided for us during this time. Um, and, I, and I'll just give I'll give a couple couple examples by how God orchestrated the entire event. So first of all, the fact that he had the cardiac arrest in the hospital. True. He was minutes away from being sent home. If he would have not been in the hospital, he wouldn't be here today. Um, other ways that... We found Joy was just, you know, again, how God provided, especially financially, you know, 56 days in a hotel.
1: Yeah, that's expensive. That's ex-
0: extremely expensive. Um, I think my mom told me that they only, only had like maybe $200 come out of their pocket from anonymous donations wow. coming in. Um, our church just, you know, for, you know, gathering support, financial support for us. Um they actually, my mom and my nana, they're they're such godly people. They made good friends with two like hosts, uh, two of the front desk uh-huh. hotel ladies there, and uh, they were able to minister them during this time. And those ladies went out of their way to figure out how to lower the rates for oh, the hotel wow. rooms. That's and incredible. I, I know at one point they brought it down to like thirty five dollars a night for like the last like three weeks or so. Um, another another you know. God moment was kind of how I referred to it was, uh, you know, life lighting. That is an insane astronomical astronomical expense. Well, where my, where we're at, they have a a life light program, like an insurance that you pay. Mm -hmm. Um, just a couple months before my dad's uh, cardiac arrest, my parents program was up for renewal and my mom looked at my dad and was like, do we really need to spend this money? You know, this, you know, it's, it's not necessary. We're fine. Right. My dad said, no, just go ahead and do it. Go ahead and sign up for it. Okay. And then next thing you know, we're using the Life Flight, which I think that would have been like $50,000. Yes, if definitely. not more. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, when it rains, it pours. Absolutely. Whenever my, my mom and then we were, were in the... Uh, you know staying in Austin their AC went out at at our house Mm -hmm. you know nobody's home to to really take care of things my brother and I we would take care of around the house as much as we could but the entire AC unit went out that was you know that's like seven eight grand well you know this happened in March so tax season was right around the corner and uh, they had already done their taxes and what do you know nearly the exact amount required to pay for the entire AC system came through from a tax refund
1: Yep, that's incredible
0: um so yeah that that occurred and and again i I go back to to myself where i had found my my now wife that is a a god thing for me because Mm -hmm. i don't know what i would have done without that support right um
1: everything up for question I, i you you needed a constant in your life
0: yes and she was a constant during my life i mean Constant enough that we only dated for nine months, and then I popped the question. <laughs> You've been
1: through enough with us. You're one of us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Where were? When did you uh, get engaged within this process?
0: Um, so we got <clears throat> engaged. Let's see, in September. So my dad would have been home by then. Um, so for so, most of it, though. Yes. Yeah. She was. She only really knew my dad in his previous state for like a couple months. Okay. Um, I'm going to go back real quick. I, I forgot to, to say this. My dad is a medical anomaly. His internal organs are a reverse image of you and me. So, you know, if your heart is on your left side. Uh-huh. His heart is on his right side. Wow. Um, organs, kidneys, intestines all just flipped. So, I mean, he has to wear a wristband on him. So you know, let's just say you were in a car crash, and then someone, you know, a medic comes on site. Well, there's no heartbeat, right so he's dead. No, 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 <laughs> his heart's not there. You gotta check the other side.
1: <laughs> That's cool. Um,
0: I, I forgot to mention that earlier. I've that never made heard of that. that made everything a whole lot more complicated. That's one of the reasons it took so long to bring him back is because of how his organs are are reversed yes. in him. It's it's extremely extremely rare. Wow. Um, so that made everything way more complicated, especially with the procedures that he was having before. Sure. And honestly, it might have contributed to, to leading down that path for him.
1: Huh. Wow. How far do you think your dad has come? I mean, what are, th- what are the things that he was told he would never do that he's now doing?
0: Oh, goodness. You know, originally, you, know, you were just told that you're not going to make it. And instead, now he's he's confined to a wheelchair, but it's nothing for him to stand up out of his wheelchair and, and do the dishes mm-hmm. at the sink. Um, he can use his hands. He can type now. Um, his his talking, he, he suffered damage to his esophagus from that tube. So his talking is still very hoarse. Uh, but now I get to have full-on conversations with him, yeah. which I... Wasn't you know, promised. Wasn't promised at all. Um, so... You know, re- really, he's just he's, hes a living miracle, and the doctors uh, at the at the at the hospital were just blown away. They said this is this is, impossible, is right. What they told
1: us—twenty-five minutes. Yeah, it's incredible. What did he experience? What did what were his <laughs> memories of that whole process? Um,
0: so this is where actually, this is where, from a faith standpoint, it has really transformed my family. Uh, my dad, and he's—he would never make up a story. He is the most honest to goodness person <laughs> you'll ever course. meet. Yeah. He, uh, during those minutes, he had a glimpse of heaven, and it has renewed his faith beyond anything I've ever seen. As as a as a Christian, it's 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 you're going to have doubts. There sure. are, well, there will be moments where you do have some doubts. But for my dad, he actually got to see a glimpse of heaven himself, and uh, he said he was only there for a little bit. <laughs> and he, he said, "I didn't see Jesus." He said, "Because if I would have seen Jesus, I wouldn't have wanted to come back." <laughs> but he said that he uh, opened his eyes, and he said it was just—he said it was just white. But there was a table in front of him, and there was a book on this table, and he said it was closed he said, he said, it felt so real. He said, I know it was real. And he said, and in my heart, I knew that on that table was the book of life. He said, I don't know how I knew. I just knew that in front of me was the book of life and that I was in heaven.
1: It's the book we've heard about all our lives.
0: Correct. And he said that after that, he said, then I started having dreams. He said he was in a world war. He was in world war two. <laughs> he, he said, so I know for a fact that that was not a dream. Yeah. Um, He said, "I can I can distinguish what was a dream and what wasn't, Uh, but he had a glimpse of heaven, and his faith has just exploded from from that. For someone who had every physical attribute stripped away from them, to being confined, you know, to a wheelchair and and having to to navigate through that, he's almost he's almost happier. Wow, and." You know, I I see him smile all the time and, and he's just, he has this renewed faith that I wish everyone could have.
1: When life has given him every reason to doubt the goodness of God. Correct. That he now has to live his life confined yeah. And,
0: yeah.
1: and a prisoner in his own body in yeah. some ways. He has more joy now. That speaks volumes. Yeah. That speaks volumes. Um, <clears throat> how do you think your faith has been transformed by his recovery, by now you're sitting in this chair, you're talking to me about it, looking back. How do you think you view life differently from a faith standpoint?
0: Oh my goodness. For for me, it's interesting. Um, nothing really phases me as much as it used to. Now I, I'm thankful at the end of the day I have my dad still. Sure. So I I didn't lose lose him, and a lot of people that's not the case. So but going through that period of prolonged uncertainty um nothing really phases me anymore in in the point that i have so much confidence in in jesus christ Mm -hmm. and my relationship with him that it's just you know bring it on world (laughs) throw 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 whatever you got because i i already know what's beyond this and it's renewed you know here in my dad to, you know, tell tell those kind of stories. It's just, it's renewed faith in me as well because he's seen it, and I, I, I try I I trust my own faith, but I also trust my dad as well. And, For sure. and to have that firsthand um, uh, sight uh, from that is just it gives me even more faith.
1: How has your dad been an inspiration to you prior to this, and then now with this?
0: Oh my goodness. He, you know, he's had so much thrown at him, and he could have just raised his fist up to God and screamed and yelled, and, but, he, but he hasn't. Mm-hmm. And, and seeing how my parents have stuck together through all of this, and it's brought our family closer. You know, we, we all live in the same little town now. Sure. Um, and it's just, we're, we're a, we are content as a family in and only our and not only our faith but also just just life in general right so it's also just brought a renewed sense of i gotta tell the world Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know this this is a story that my hope is it will bring confidence and an understanding to people who may may have doubts right or if they were like me you know i i'll be honest with you me and God gotten a lot of yelling matches whenever I didn't know whether I'd have a, a dad for those eight weeks. I can imagine. Um, but it also brought this new, this new sense of openness and, and honesty mm-hmm. with God Himself that I didn't have before. Um, I remember I don't I don't remember what I was reading, but it was talking about the importance of being honest with God about your feelings, and I I took true to that. And I, I remember one evening, I just had it out with God. I, I truly did. It was it was a yelling match, and I was angry, and I was frustrated. But when I was able to confide right. in, in my Creator and my Savior, it brought this new sense of, of connection that I didn't have before.
1: There's been so much um, in my heart, in my mind, thought lately about the importance of our relationship with Christ being a, just an ongoing dialogue. Yeah. It doesn't have to be just when I'm at church. It doesn't have to be if I say this verse and end with this sentence and it doesn't have to be at a certain prayer time. It can be all day, every day, yeah. just a dialogue. When I think about your situation and how you had that fighting match with God, I can imagine through those eight weeks and even longer than that, where it was just like, you're literally just, as you think about it, God, just, you know, give him this sensation, give him this reaction, give him this sense back. Mm-hmm. Give him this hope. Give me this peace, you know, all day long where you're just kind of giving up little requests. They're big ones. They were big ones. Yes, yeah. And he came through on most of them. Yeah, he did. Um, things that weren't promised originally. So I think it's so cool that we can really retrain our brains to think about this dialogue that can just be ongoing and not mm-hmm. so scheduled. and.
0: Yeah, and, and I love how you're saying that because I think... I think, and especially especially when you grow up in a church, you're kind of painted this this picture of putting God in a box, almost. Absolutely. And this is where we worship Him. This is where we pray at the altar, and and it's all great. I'm not saying it's not, but but we can't put God in a box, and we have to really just, as you said, remain in constant communication and and, and prayer yeah. all day. You can worship God wherever you want. You can praise Him wherever you want. You can pray it wherever you want. It's not a box, and and we need to get out of that mindset.
1: Yeah. I was on the way to work this morning, and I got a lot of things going through my head and a lot of prayer requests um, that are just looming and got to make sure and lift up this person and this person's going through this, you know. And as I was talking, I was thinking, you know, it's so cool that I can just say this all out loud. There doesn't have to be these and thousands. You know, Mm -hmm. all the bougie Bible words. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be ugly, and it can be a screaming match. And he still is accepting and loving and understanding of every emotion that we've been given. Um, You know, it doesn't matter if you're just praying that your stomach stops surrounding before lunch, or if you're Mm -hmm. praying for him to bring your dad back to life after 25 minutes of not being alive. Yeah. Um, You know, they all hold weight and I think it's so cool your story how your story shows us the importance of prayer and also something that I thought about earlier you mentioned your church family and how supportive and life-giving life-breathing they were for your family I don't know how people get through big traumatic scenarios without a church family
0: no it 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 renewed the importance of church to us and those relationships that we build, because yeah. the moment we were in need, they were there.
1: It can so quickly just feel like a Sunday morning thing or a Sunday night Correct. thing. But it's true that the church is not a building at all. It's, no. It's a, it's a group of people. Yeah. And you, it's a lot are, bigger than you expect. You
0: are the arms and feet of Jesus and everything that you do yeah. as believers. And so it's so important to, to be with, with other believers when they're struggling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's such a mission field, in it? It doesn't have to be in Russia or something. It can be right here. (laughs) When you see somebody struggling, just lift them up and, you know, go up and hug them. Say, I'm praying for you, you know, like sit down, pray right there out loud. Absolutely. It doesn't have to be on a schedule. So, um, has your dad had any situations or scenarios or maybe you have or your mom has or somebody in your family where you've been able to reach out and help somebody who's gone through a similar situation?
0: I, I, all I can tell you is that between my, my Nana, my mom, and my dad, they are the outreach police now <laughs> <laughs> they, they're, I can't really think of a, of a specific scenario because there's been so many yeah. where immediately they're, they're praying for other people and because they received it, they're, they're making sure to give it back as well. And, and that's been a, a beautiful thing to see.
1: Yeah. So my dad had uh, open heart surgery, I don't know how many years ago that was, and honestly when he came on my podcast, we did not talk about this at all, so he may have to come on to talk about <laughs> this, but he had open heart surgery and had to have six bypasses. Oh my goodness. And of course, we have no idea about this, he's a generally small, built guy, it's not your normal you know, heart surgery patient look, um, but he had to have six bypasses and it was very touch and go, and... I remember the scene that you described in the waiting room where it was just like all of your church family and all of your friends from your Mm -hmm. hometown and everybody's just in there. No one knows what's going on. No one knows what's going to happen. But we know that all we can do right now is pray. Yeah. And that was a game changer for us. Just the support system that showed up immediately. I had people from work that I didn't know very well. I hadn't worked here for very long.
0: That was the craziest thing for us was people that we didn't realize my dad had an impact on yes they would travel to austin all the way to austin to to even just see my mom they may not see him but they would at least get to see my mom just to show support just to show show support and (laughs) and you're almost like man we didn't really know you that well (laughs) but here you are like awesome you know it's just
1: you planting all these seeds it's awesome
0: being able to see just that that there's this ripple effect that you're not even aware
1: of that's awesome i love it all right so um I just want to say thank you so much for coming on here and sharing this story. I know this is going to make a huge difference. Um, I know there's a lot of people in your town and people that your dad has helped that maybe don't know the ins and outs of this story, and they don't know it from your perspective. And I think it's so cool when I bring on people that it didn't actually happen to, you know, they weren't the one in the hospital bed with that, um, but the the ones that had to kind of pick up the pieces after. I think it's cool to hear it from their perspective. And so I know that there's a lot of people looking forward to hearing your perspective on this episode. So I'm so thankful that you came on and, and shared this story. Did you have a, um, I know you mentioned having one more scripture that was huge for you during this time.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And thank you again for, for having me and, you know, having an outlet to, to tell this story. Um, yeah, you know, as I kind of reiterated before, the the whole Christian worldview that I spoke of where we, we need to look at our purpose on this earth and, and it's Colossians three seventeen. and whatever you do in word or deed do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him and just how that scripture kind of really revolutionized that what we were going through how do we turn this around and let it bring glory to Jesus mm-hmm. um and having that worldview of okay how do I apply this to everything in life now
1: right I say this every week it feels like but You've definitely found the purpose in the pain and the purpose in the story and, you know, the victory in the valley. Um, I love that. I love that it's been long enough now where you can look back and go, yeah, this totally transformed our faith. This totally transformed our family. It transformed our community. It transformed the way that we look at life, the way that we respond to others around us that are in need. Um, so much was taken from your dad, but so much was given to totally oh, you. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that's so awesome. So thank you again for coming on and sharing your story. I can't wait to see what God does with this. Thank you. With each passing week, we learn the incredible power of a person's story. Every one, unique and supremely designed, just waiting to be shared when the time is right. But what is even more powerful than the story is the grace surrounding it. May we give it courageously, may we receive it graciously, and may we try to make this place a little bit more like paradise. Thanks for listening to A Slice of Paradise.